0: Hey everyone, I just wanted to say last week we went to New York to accept our Webby Award and I know none of that would have been possible without your support. I'm so proud of the work we've done so far, but I'm also deeply grateful for those of you who care enough to want to know more. This is deep cut hard work stuff and I know we won for the rants, but it's really these podcasts that expand our minds. So thank you for being here. The country needs you and I sincerely appreciate you. Now on with the show. And welcome to the Politics Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Lee McGowan. Let's get into it. Last week, a white man, armed with an assault rifle and wearing body armor, walked into a grocery store in Buffalo, New York, shooting 13 people and killing 10. The man had done his research, chosen his victims with deliberation, and written a manifesto that openly preached the Great Replacement Theory, sometimes called White Replacement Theory, which is the idea that white people are deliberately being replaced through immigration. That a wide range of liberals, Democrats, and Jewish people are actively working to replace white voters in Western countries with non-white voters in an effort to achieve their political ends. The Great Replacement Theory, the idea that Western elites, sometimes manipulated by Jewish people, want to replace and disempower white Americans, is a racist myth and one of the main pillars of the modern white supremacist movement. This theory has been in the dark corners of the internet for decades, but over the past five years, it has made its way into the mainstream, becoming a catalyst for racist terror and domestic terrorism in America, and inspiring wave after wave of mass shootings, as well as the 2017 far-right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. We can't deny that the whole idea of replacement taps right into America's history of racism, bigotry, and xenophobia. But what's new is the amplification and supersizing of this idea by the mainstream media, right-wing politicians, and influential Americans like Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump. So today we're going to discuss the Great Replacement Theory, what it is, where it comes from, who's promoting it, who benefits, and what we can do about it. This is, as Public Citizen says, frightening and sickening stuff, but it's something we have to face head on if we're going to do anything about it. Sociologists have long shown that mass shootings are social acts. They've even considered categorizing them as contagious, because each massacre makes another massacre more likely. In fact, recent statistics show that mass shootings in the United States are about six times more likely than they were in 1970, and that they've been happening far more frequently over the past five years. And despite the fact that Tucker Carlson is on his show trying to push the Buffalo gunman as being mentally ill and his manifesto as not being recognizably left or right, the fact of the matter is the gunman's 180 page documentation of his reasonings for this shooting is full of references to endless right wing conspiracy theories, white replacement and quotes Tucker himself almost word for word. Clearly, the shooter's motivation hung deeply on his belief in the great replacement theory. And despite the fact that Tucker is now pretending he doesn't know what that is, the fact of the matter is no public figure has promoted replacement theory more loudly than the Fox News host. Though he often disguises what he's saying by just asking questions. Who says diversity is a strength? Who says that? The truth is, Tucker has made demographic change the center theme of his show since joining the primetime lineup in 2016, pushing, according to a recent New York Times investigation, the theme of replacement in over 400 shows. Despite all the horrors online, it is Tucker Carlson and Fox News that have arguably done more than anyone in the U.S. to popularize and sanitize this racist conspiracy. This idea that a cabal of elites are forcing democratic change on the country through immigration is not a new idea. In fact, the man who has often been credited with the concept is French novelist, conspiracy theorist, and white nationalist writer Renard Camus. Camus said, The Great Replacement is very simple. You have one people, and in the space of a generation, you have a different people. Camus claimed the specific identity of the new population is less important than the act of the replacement itself. At the time, around the mid-1950s, Camus claimed he would be equally devastated if the French people were replaced by the Japanese as if they were replaced by the Chinese. Other French theorists and leaders, along with right-wing British and American politicians, have also deeply rejected this idea of what Mr. Chatterton Williams, author of Self-Portrait in Black and White, Unlearning Race, cleverly calls reverse colonization white people being replaced by people of color as people of color were once replaced by white people. Camus just rebranded it in a catchy way. The hate and fear of replacement clearly goes way back. As Joy Reid recently pointed out on her show, a certain subset of America has always been fixated on this idea of replacement. She references the protagonist of the famous 1925 F. Scott Fitzgerald novel The Great Gatsby and how upset he is about all the immigrants coming in and taking jobs from real Americans. The character talks about immigration altering America's racial composition and destroying the country. Reid points out that The Great Gatsby itself was published the year after Congress passed the Immigration Act of 1924, which included mandated quotas for less desirable immigrants from Eastern Europe and excluded Asian and North African immigrants altogether. At the time, the senator who sponsored the bill said that the goal was to create a more homogeneous group of people who were more closely aligned in their values. Reed points out that the Jazz Age of the 1920s and 30s came right in the middle of one of the most aggressively anti-Black, anti-immigrant periods in American history. This is the time of the American First Movement and when the KKK ran rampant. As a modern reference, Stephen Miller, the senior political advisor for Donald Trump and author of some of the most egregious immigration policies of the Trump era, is known to be a huge fan of the 1924 Immigration Act. Apparently, everything old is new again, including blatant, in-your-face racism. When asked by the New York Times how these racist replacement ideas had sprung up and spread so quickly in the modern United States, Williams, author of Unlearning Race, points to the first year of the Trump administration, when white nationalists marched in Charlottesville and said, What's changed in America is the relentless demonization of non-white immigrants, economic migrants, and asylum seekers from the highest levels of institutional authority. Those little white dirtbags marching in their khakis with their tiki torches didn't even have to know who Camus was for the concept of the Great Replacement to be a key part of their movement. Their hateful chant of, you will not replace us, Jews will not replace us, And the subsequent support from the sitting American president, calling them good people, lit the fuse that exploded hate crimes in America and abroad. Most notably, the hate-motivated mass shooting attacks at the synagogue in Pittsburgh, the Walmart in El Paso, and now the Topps Market in Buffalo. The attack on Muslims in Christchurch, New Zealand can also not be overlooked. Forget the Statue of Liberties, bring me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Forget the nation of immigrants. Forget the melting pot of the world. There are powerful people and people who crave power, who believe America is, first and foremost, a white Christian nation, and any change to that demographic is a direct attack on the country itself. Chatterton Williams argues that it's the intellectual underpinnings of replacement theory that have given white supremacists and the alt-right cover to argue that they aren't racist, but simply anti-globalist. He argues that the wildly accepting and progressive left have actually opened a door for these people to say that their whiteness is simply another form of diversity that is in danger of being erased, and aren't we a country that supports diversity?" They say, if you get to be proud of being fill in the blank, black, Hispanic, Asian, then why don't we get to be proud of being white? This is actually a question I asked myself in high school when my AP history partner and I did a project on the resurgence of the 1990s neo-Nazi movement in Toronto. My partner was black. So for safety reasons, it fell on me to do the interview with the head of the movement. The argument he made was that white people were simply going extinct, that we were a tiny and ever shrinking percentage of the world's population. And for the record, in 2022, white people are about 11 to 16 percent of the world's population, depending on your metrics. Though true Aryan characteristics, which the neo-Nazis use, might have us down closer to 6 to 7 percent. This Nazi leader said, all we're trying to do is save ourselves from being erased. And I remember going to my history teacher at the time and saying I felt weird and conflicted because, did that make sense? And he said to me, what you have to remember is that white people may be a shrinking percentage of the world's population, but they own an outsized percentage of the world's wealth. He said, White people aren't going anywhere. White people have never been considered a minority group because they've always held so much power. Their strength and influence has always put them at the top. White people are in little danger of losing influence, and their decreasing numbers are simply a useful statistic for white supremacists to use to confuse the point. The thing is, What this supremacist leader did to me is what modern supremacists are doing all the time now, using statistics and science to justify everything from bigotry to their most violent and vile actions. Alice Marwick, who writes about far-right content and recently released a culmination of two years of work where she and her team systematically analyzed research on why people commit political violence, explains that white supremacists are obsessed with the concept of biological determinism which has been renamed by modern racists as race realism. Race realism is the idea that social differences between people of different races and genders is innate and natural because society simply reflects biology. So, say, the reason Black people were slaves or hold less power in modern society is because they are genetically inferior. Society is simply reflecting biological differences, which, of course, makes no sense, but because it has been an active idea in Western society for hundreds of years, there's no shortage of writing that support that concept. And while there is plenty of thoughtful intellectual scholarly writing that completely debunks race realism and biological determinism, very little of that, as Marwick says, gets into the minds of these curious young white men searching the internet for their truth. She says these men, and they are almost always men, think of themselves as logical and rational, but their hateful beliefs end up hiding behind what they see as researched fact. And that's the problem with the unregulated internet. Online communities can immerse people in inaccurate facts and made-up ideas that these people then see as definitive proof and evidence, depending on how it is presented or reinforced. And if the people presenting this seemingly factual information are also constantly repeating racist slurs and hateful beliefs, then they all become part and parcel of the same thing. A radicalization researcher named Kevin McDonald explains that part of becoming an extremist is learning how to take on the emotions of the worldview. In far-right communities, these emotions include things like pride in whiteness, Anger at being victimized by diversity or multiculturalism and the fear of the threatening other, whether that other is black or Jewish or an immigrant or a feminist or trans or whatever. This combination of pride, anger and fear end up being the thing that justifies the violence against those they believe are out to get them or ruin their way of life. Based on his manifesto and meticulously crafted diaries leading up to the shooting, you can see that the Buffalo shooter felt a real responsibility to preserve the white race. He saw himself as a warrior in a race war, and that identification with being a warrior was far more interesting and empowering than his real-life identity as a community college student who lived at home. The whole replacement theory and the fight for his people gave him a purpose and direction in the same way terrorist experts have said jihadists are radicalized overseas. Marwick points out that the Buffalo Killer was not a member of a white supremacist organization, but he did see himself as part of a larger movement. She points out that his manifesto repeats the same arguments that are found in thousands of articles online. He uses the same slang and memes. His diaries are filled with statistics and graphs alongside racist cartoons and tweets. He kept a detailed progress report of his preparations for the shooting that included his workout and diet regime, long discussions about the gear he'd purchased on eBay, and all the evidence he'd collected that justified his white supremacist and anti-Semitic beliefs. Marwick points out that his diaries clearly demonstrate that this young man's radicalization was a process in which he was socialized into thinking the same way as other people in these communities. He was not mentally ill or some lone wolf. He was part of a movement. He live streamed the event for the movement. And if anything, he was writing a how to instruction manual for future shooters. The Buffalo shooter claimed he began browsing the internet, places like 4chan, 8kun, and Reddit, which directed him to places like the neo-Nazi website The Daily Stormer, in May 2020, out of extreme boredom. But he quickly found information that interested him on how the white race was dying out. That led him to more and more anti-Black, anti-Semitic replacement content. In his manifesto, the shooter calls Black people and immigrants replacers, people who invade our land, live on our soil, live off government support, and attack and replace our people. And it's hard to say that and not think about the poor Indigenous people and how they must feel hearing that. The hypocrisy is staggering. According to a detailed analysis by the Anti-Defamation League, the shooter also basically plagiarized almost two-thirds of his manifesto from the Christchurch Shooters Manifesto. He just replaced Muslims with black people and Angela Merkel with George Soros. Oren Siegel, vice president of the Anti-Defamation League's Center for Extremism, says that the Buffalo Suspects' repurposing of the Christchurch Manifesto to justify an attack on Black Americans demonstrates the evolving and interactive nature of extremist propaganda, which goes back to this idea of violence being contagious, just like the constant repetition of the Great Replacement Theory is contagious. In 2017, the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville ended in the deliberate murder of the protester Heather Heyer, and great violence perpetrated against Black Americans, all while the people there chanted about not being replaced. In 2018, a white man with a history of anti-Semitic internet posts gunned down 11 worshippers inside a Pittsburgh synagogue, blaming Jews for allowing immigrant invaders into the United States. In March 2019, 51 people were killed by a white man while worshipping in Muslim mosques for having the gall to dilute the religious and racial purity of New Zealand. In August 2019, another white man angry over what he called the Hispanic invasion of Texas opened fire on shoppers at an El Paso Walmart, leaving 23 people dead and later told the police he had gone there to kill Mexicans. And now we have another young white man who drove 200 miles to target black people because he saw them as a threat to the white race. As the New York Times points out, the Charlottesville event and all four shootings with four different minority targets are all linked by the same belief that white people are being replaced by minorities and it has to be stopped. And as Chatterton Williams points out, it's not that these far-right websites that go on and on about replacement theory are actually gaining more viewers. It's the ideas they're pitching that are gaining more mainstream acceptance, This racist and anti-Semitic content that is easily found on the internet forums should be stuck in what the New York Times calls the digital fever swamps of Reddit. But in recent years, and particularly in recent months, versions of these ideas have been polished up so they don't sound so explicitly anti-Black or anti-Semitic and have found their way into the mainstream Republican Party, their congressional hearings, their campaign ads, and have been completely embraced by a growing group of right-wing media personalities. In other words, these hideous fringe ideas have gone completely mainstream. According to Google data, until the Buffalo shooting, there had been three big spikes in Google searches for replacement theory, or the Great Replacement. One followed the shooting in Christchurch, one followed the El Paso shooting, and the third came in April 2021 when Tucker Carlson defended the idea of demographic replacement on Fox News. Despite the fact that the Buffalo shooter was clearly motivated by the concept of the Great Replacement, Fox has barely mentioned his motive, despite the fact that Tucker Carlson has pushed the same ideas on hundreds of his shows. As Matt Gertz, senior fellow at Media Matters for America, a watchdog group for right-wing media, says... There is no way for anyone at Fox News to truly issue a convincing or compelling denunciation of the Great Replacement Theory because they have been discussing it on their network's primetime hour on a near constant basis for years. The Anti-Defamation League has called for Carlson to be fired multiple times for his comments and his racist rhetoric. But instead, Tucker, whose show is the most watched on cable news, has thrived and his passion for the topic of replacement has spread to his colleagues. Laura Ingram recently told her viewers that Democrats want to replace you, the American voter, with newly amnitized citizens and an increasing number of chain migrants. Judge Janine claimed that liberals were engaged in a plot to remake America, to replace American citizens with illegals who will vote for Democrats. Tucker himself has said everything from the Democrats were diluting his vote by importing a new electorate to the country is being invaded by the rest of the world to the country is unequivocally being stolen from American citizens. As we watch, he said they're trying to change the population of the United States, and they hate it when you say that because it's true. He falsely claims that the Democrats are offering mass amnesty and allowing an unrelenting stream of immigration to take over America. He showed a picture of Taiwanese-born California congressman and former U.S. Air Force Colonel Ted Liu, and then said in the mocking voice of the evil Democrats, you are being replaced and there's nothing you can do about it, so just shut up. He then followed that with a maniacal laugh as if it was all some sort of big joke, but whose over-the-top performative aspect belied how deeply racist the implication of what he had just said was. Finally, he said... Now, I know the left and all their little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement, if you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate with more obedient voters from the third world. But that is what's happening. So let's just say it, because it's true. Dude, what the fuck? Why are advertisers still on this station? Why are our cable bills paying for this racist garbage? And where is their board on this? Jonathan Grieblatt, CEO and National Director of the Anti-Defamation League, says, Make no mistake, this is dangerous stuff. The Great Replacement Theory is classic white supremacist trope that undergirds the modern white supremacist movement in America, and it is being broadcast to millions of people a night who see it as the news. Ultimately, we have to look to the Murdoch family, who control Fox News. Tucker makes them money. If they didn't want him to do or say what he does, they could make him stop. But they have decided to let it go ahead because he is profitable and perhaps and quite likely because they agree with his message. So despite Tucker and fellow Fox News anchors protestations to the contrary, they are pushing this ethno-nationalist trope to the mainstream every single day. So much so that the founder of the Daily Stormer, the American far-right, neo-Nazi, white supremacist, misogynist, Islamophobic, anti-Semitic, Holocaust denial commentary message board that advocates for a second genocide of the Jews, Andrew Eglin, has called Tucker Carlson literally our greatest ally and praised Fox News endlessly for its replacement theory coverage. Eglin wrote, Carlson is dropping the ultimate truth bombs on his audience. Truth bombs like, the great replacement is the replacement of legacy Americans with far more obedient people from faraway countries. Legacy Americans. He said that. (laughs) I mean, apparently Tucker and company want to run America like an Ivy League fraternity, where you get special treatment because the people before you got special treatment. Everyone else can just stay in their lane. And it's not that Fox News is the only place you can hear this kind of dangerous rhetoric. It's that, as Tom Jones, the senior media writer for the Polliner Institute, writes, their popularity has also gone on to give an outsized influence on today's Republican Party, an influence and relationship that was recently revealed when leaked text messages from Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, showed he was in frequent communication with Fox network hosts throughout the election and during the insurrection. In a free and fair democratic society, a news organization would not be directly working for the government. That makes it a propaganda network, and we can all see the danger of such a close and self-serving relationship. Trump-supporting more Republican politicians are now openly embracing replacement theory. Texas Congressman Pete Sessions just said, I don't think there's any question that the great replacement is real. Florida Congressman Matt Gaetz said, replacement theory explains what's happening in America. Tucker Carlson is entirely correct. Elise Stefanik, now the number three leadership position in the GOP, warned in a campaign ad last fall that amnesty for undocumented immigrants would overthrow our current electorate. She says the radical Democrats are planning a permanent election insurrection with illegal immigrants. And when asked about their comments, Republican leaders don't even hedge or walk back anything anymore. They double down. Stefanik said Democrats desperately want wide open borders and mass amnesty so illegals can vote, while Republicans want secure borders and to protect election integrity. Okay, party that tried to overturn the election was involved in an active coup and has passed more than 400 new laws, making it harder to vote or allow votes to be counted. You're the party of election integrity. Got it. But like many of their culture war issues, it seems to be working. Who cares if it's true? if it's dangerous, if it's causing mass shootings, replacement theory makes people angry and it plays directly into their pre-existing biases that the country only has problems because of outside influences and can only be fixed if we get rid of or marginalize those outsiders. The changes that are happening in America aren't just a product of natural evolution of a modern Western society, but something that is being imposed on them by liberals and immigrants and an increasingly globalized planet. Replacement theory, is a successful culmination of othering the right has pushed for so long. They are emboldened by it. They are so emboldened, in fact, that 203 House Republicans just voted against a bill to prevent white supremacist domestic terrorism. They voted against the bill. But it's not just the American right pushing replacement theory. It's the far right from all around the Western world. And we will get to how that ties in after we thank the people who made this episode possible. So we'll be right back. Stick around. This podcast is sponsored by Brightland. Brightland is a California-based company that offers fresher, healthier olive oils and vinegars. Brightland only works with small, California-based, family-run farms. They partner with farms that use no herbicides, no pesticides, don't harm the workers or the planet, and pay their workers a fair and legal wage. I love olive oil, but there's a lot of gross olive oil out there. Only the most recent olive harvest goes into Brightland Oil, and each bottle is labelled with its own harvest date. Olives are harvested early in the season and pressed within 90 minutes for the highest quality oil possible. Right now you can get the Duo, a well-rounded pair of extra virgin olive oils that will elevate any dish you're cooking. Awake is an olive oil that works with breads and soups, and Alive is an olive oil that's better for roasted vegetables and salads. Plus, they're totally adorable and the bottles look really cute on your counter. Go to brightland.co forward slash politicsgirl to try the duo and give your cooking some added flair. That's brightland.co forward slash politicsgirl to save 10% on your order of the duo. Thank you, Brightland, for sponsoring this podcast. Are you planning ahead for a big expense? Well, don't behave like me and put it all on a high interest credit card. If you know you have to pay for something, like a car repair or a medical bill, Credit Karma can help you look for a low-interest personal loan that can save you a ton of money while you're paying it off. Paying down credit cards can be so stressful because you're paying that interest and it's like throwing money in the garbage. Trust me, I do it every month and I am embarrassed. But Credit Karma uses credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free and won't affect your credit score. And Credit Karma will show you your chances of approval, so you can choose between the loan offers that you will most likely get, letting you apply with more confidence. If you're ready to apply, head to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to see your personalized offer. That's creditkarma.com loanoffers to find a loan that's right for you. If you listen to this show, you know I love Blinkist. Blinkist is a book summarizing service that gives you the best selection of nonfiction books and the key takeaways in about 15 minutes in text or audio explainers called Blinks. Blinkist has over 5,000 titles in 27 categories, everything from science to parenting to personal development, and it also produces shortcasts, which are Blinks for podcasts. This week, the book I'm listening to is Stop Reading the News by Rolf Dolabelli. Now, I picked it not because I can stop reading the news. Obviously, that wouldn't work for my business. But it's a book written on how to cope with all the information overload and think more clearly. Dobelli talks about how we're constantly checking the news, especially the bad news, and how that makes us anxious and addicted and how that's affecting our mental and physical health. Even as someone who can't give up the news, I feel like it's a book that's really going to help me. If that sounds interesting to you, or you think that you like the idea of finding something that could inspire your life in 15 minutes, then Blinkist has a special offer just for you. Go to blinkist.com slash politicsgirl to start your seven day free trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist, spelled B L I N K I S T. Blinkist.com slash politicsgirl to get 25% off and a seven day free trial. It's the coolest app. I promise you won't be disappointed. Politics Girl has a new sponsor, Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a digital marketing platform that helps small businesses and nonprofits of all sizes build, grow, and succeed. With email marketing, contact management, industry leading growth tools, and social media ads, Constant Contact helps small businesses connect with their customers, find new customers, and sell, all from one easy to use platform. Millions of businesses have trusted Constant Contact to help improve their marketing. Constant Contact is simple to use and makes managing your contacts easier than ever. They'll help you find a bigger audience, and they'll help you do it fast. To learn more, start your free trial by visiting ConstantContact.com. It's a powerful automation tool to help you send the right message to the right person at the right time, every time. Why not give it a try? ConstantContact.com. And we're back. So it's not just the American right that's pushing replacement theory. It's the far right of the Western world, the last bastion of straight white European purity. And the American right has teamed up with one of the ultimate purveyors of this idea, Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, by hosting the Conservative Political Action Conference, or CPAC, in Hungary last week with Orban as its keynote speaker. Orban recently made a speech with explicit references to the Great Replacement Theory, where he claimed that there was a liberal plot to dilute the white population of the U.S. and European countries through immigration. His full remarks were, I see the Great European Population Exchange as a suicidal attempt to replace the lack of European Christian children with adults from other civilizations, migrants. Migrants was said like mongrels. In the same speech, Orban echoed another popular theme from the American right when he argued that the other form of cultural suicide was gender madness, referencing the spread of LGBTQ rights in the West. Hungarian political analysts say Orban chose his words carefully, that his speech was designed to underline the common ties between his party, his self-described illiberal form of government, where he has limited the free press, the judiciary, and basically made it impossible to vote him out, and his American visitors. According to the prime minister's political director, Balzas Orban, there are political forces in every country that see the world the same way Hungary does, but it's the American right that's showing exceptional encouragement and solidarity. Prime Minister Orban is signaling to American conservatives that Hungary is a conservative safe space. He is trying to define himself as a global political actor And at this point, with the nationalistic leader being CPAC's keynote speaker, while the mainstream Republican event is held in his own country, with the American press expressly uninvited, it is safe to say that he has achieved that goal. In his speech to the American conservatives, Orban told CPAC that his nation has been completely healed of progressive dominance, and that it was time for the forces of the right to join together. He said, The path to power is to have your own media. And then he laid out his 12 point plan to achieve and consolidate power under the slogan God, Homeland, Family, setting off major alarm bells for anyone who has ever read anything about 1930s Germany and anyone who is paying any attention to the fact that one of the two major political parties in America is now strategizing with an authoritarian foreign dictator. Other speakers at the Hungarian CPAC include Zoltz Bér, a notorious Hungarian racist who has called Jews stinking excrement, uses racial slurs to refer to black people, and believes that, quote, these animals are unfit for coexistence with people. Along with a vast array of European hard-right leaders like UK Independence Party leader Nigel Farage, head of the Austrian Freedom Party Herbert Keikel, and president of Spain's Vox Party Santiago Abascal. And because the event is actually an American one, speakers also include Republican members of Congress, disgraced ex-president and current Republican Party leader Donald J. Trump, Trump's seditionist coup-enabling voter fraud-partaking Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, Jack Prosebeck, who fabricated the Pizzagate scandal and is the leading voice in painting Democrats as pedophiles, and of course, and perhaps most influential of all, Tucker Carlson himself. It's just a real who's who of the violent white supremacist crowd. But unsurprisingly, instead of feeling ashamed of who they're featuring or listening to, organizer Matt Schlapp said they were only getting bad press because the leftist media was launching a coordinated smear campaign on the event. No, Matt, I'm pretty sure it's because you have violent white supremacists talking at your conference. (laughs) Ha ha! Richard Kramer, an American Republican analyst at the European Value Center for Security Policy in Prague, said he was incredibly concerned about the event in Hungary, as Hungary is widely seen as the most important outpost for Russian intelligence in Europe. Kramer says, Orban's Hungary is a Russia and Chinese proxy out to weaken Europe. So what's particularly disconcerting is that CPAC, a conservative American organization, has basically decided that their culture wars are more important than America's national security. I've said it before, and I will say it again. There is a rising autocratic movement in the world, and the American Republican Party is part of it. Jonathan Greenblatt, the CEO of the Anti-Defamation League, points out how dangerous this all is. He says people like Carlson have been race baiting for years. Even Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House, has declared that leftists are attempting to drown out classic Americans. Classic Americans, of course, being a euphemism for white Americans. And people like Tucker Carlson have been successful at taking this kind of racist rhetoric and sanitizing it so the poison can spread unnoticed. This idea... That there is a cabal of Jews plotting to overrun the country with immigrants, Muslims, and Black people to commit white genocide is toxic. And repeating this damaging and dangerous conspiracy theory to millions of viewers on mainstream cable television, and then seeing that theory backed up by leading Republican politicians and thought leaders, is causing increasing division and violence like what we just saw happen in Buffalo. This idea that real Americans are being replaced with lesser Americans is everywhere. In fact, according to an Associated Press poll released this month, one in three American adults now believe there is an effort underway to replace native-born Americans with immigrants for electoral gain. Those same polls also found that people who mostly watch right-wing media outlets like Fox, One American News Network, and Newsmax were more likely to believe in replacement theory than those who watch other networks. And what are the Democrats doing about it? Sadly, not much. This concept of when they go low, we go high now feels a bit like we have our head in the clouds. Like these ideas are so distasteful and so repugnant that they aren't worth wading into. If we just pretend that's not happening, it's going to go away. The ship will right itself. But it won't. As Rick Wilson from the Lincoln Project says, Democrats hate fighting. They think that good policy and good ideas will matter while the authoritarians burn the world down around them. And it's hard not to worry that he might be right. Now, it should be noted that the brazen white supremacy in Charlottesville and Trump's reaction to it is said to be the defining event that instigated Joe Biden to run against Trump in 2020, calling it a battle for the soul of the nation. Biden also recently called out the great replacement theory by name at a speech he made to celebrate Asian-Americans and Pacific Islanders when he said, we have to not only talk about how we're going to end the hate, but who's responsible for generating it. He went on to say, every person deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. But you have folks on television talking about the replacement theory and scaring people who are already on the edge, taking advantage of people who are already worried about being overtaken. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer joined Biden in calling out the racist and violent theory by personally calling out Rupert Murdoch to get his, quote, house in order. Senator Schumer said it directly, if not particularly dramatically, when he said on the Senate floor that anchors like Tucker Carlson, mega Republicans, and all influential voices across the political spectrum should not just be condemning racial violence and denouncing white supremacist views like the Great Replacement Theory, but they should be refusing to give these false and racist conspiracy theories a platform whatsoever. But unless you're an avid watcher of C-SPAN, you probably missed that. And although Schumer is right that all influential voices across the political spectrum should be condemning racial violence and denouncing white supremacist views like the Great Replacement Theory, they're not going to. Because either they agree with it or they know enough of their base does. And winning is the bottom line, even if the cost of winning is American freedom, democracy and minority lives. Republicans have a history of stepping into the winner's circle on the backs of dead Americans with their refusal to offer health care or gun control or police reform or COVID protections. They will do whatever it takes. Death, other people's deaths, lesser people's deaths is simply a price we have to pay for their retained power. And they have found an energy source of people who will keep them in power by convincing a certain amount of white Christian Americans that their way of life is under attack, and they are the only ones who will stand up against these people who are stealing their country. And at the end of the day, we can't pretend the Great Replacement Theory isn't intimately connected with so many other Republican issues. To illustrate this point, look no further than the impending end to Roe v. Wade. Statistics tell us that white people are on track to become the minority in America. We're simply not having enough babies. But instead of looking at why we don't have more babies, reasons like no guaranteed health care, no paid family leave, no parental leave, no universal pre-K, no subsidized child care, a very limited work-life balance, and an ever-increasing cost of living, our right-wing government and Supreme Court has simply decided to make sure we're forced to make more white babies, no matter the cost. As Joy Reid says, this is about birth rates. It's about non-white immigration causing white Christians to fall behind in the demographic foot race. It's about their beliefs that LGBTQ people take procreators out of the pool. It's about white Christian nationalism. Former chief strategist for President Trump, Steve Bannon, who is unsurprisingly a vocal proponent of the Great Replacement Theory, said, If you want to save the Judeo-Christian West, if you want to save civilization, you start by having babies. It's simple. Start there. We'll train them up. We'll get it done. But start by having the babies. CPAC leader Matt Schlapp was just quoted saying he thinks an abortion ban would stop the Great Replacement. He said, it's a good first step in fixing the immigration problem in the U.S. If you're worried about replacement, start by allowing our own people to live. He went on to say, if there's a population problem in a country, but you're killing millions of your own through legalized abortion, you reduce that and some of the problem is solved. The Supreme Court document that was leaked overturning Roe v. Wade included a section that said, quote, the domestic supply of infants relinquished at birth or within the first month of life has become virtually non-existent. So apparently, according to our far-right Christian court, We require a larger supply of domestic infants. Even the Buffalo Shooters Manifesto included a quote that said, White birth rates must change. People must achieve a birth rate that's about 2.06 births per woman. Frankly, it is hard to hear all of this and not think of the Lebensborn program, a program designed by the German SS in 1935 to increase Germany's declining birth rate. It originally focused on encouraging SS men to have large families and discouraging unmarried pregnant Aryan women from seeking illegal abortion by providing these women with financial assistance, adoption services, and a series of private maternity homes where they could give birth. The Nazi regime encouraged the birth of children deemed racially valuable in order to increase Germany's Aryan population. This campaign closely reflected the regime's racial ideology and theories of eugenics, and by the end of World War II, the Lebensborn program became involved in the Nazi regime's systematic kidnapping of thousands of biologically valuable white foreign children to be raised in German homes. Watching the Republicans vote last week, against the Defense Protection Act to get baby formula into the hands of mothers with hungry babies, tells us all we need to know about the fact that the GOP is not pro-life or pro-baby, but pro-control. Knowing what we know now, it's hard not to see that it's about forcing women into birth to increase the white population and, I guess, to increase the cheap labor force prison pipeline for people of color. It's just a numbers game. Trump's economic advisor, Kevin Hasek, gave it away when he called us human capital. As people smarter than me point out, making abortions illegal will be a poverty trap for those who can't afford unplanned pregnancies, people who are already stretched thin living paycheck to paycheck for housing and basic necessities. We are looking at a population explosion among poor people who don't have health care, a living wage, paid family leave, or the ability to pay for childcare. The poor children who do survive will probably end up in the military because they won't have a lot of other options. In the military or working for some oligarch's factory but not complaining about it because the powers that be are anti-union and really what other choice do they have? So we will breed white babies to up the population of white citizens and people of color can die or become our soldiers or our workers. That sounds pretty in line with a theory based around white genetic supremacy. And if we're going to force women to have babies, what will stop that same kind of leadership from forcing women not to have babies? It's not like we don't have a history of forced sterilization in this country, or even a recent history of unwanted hysterectomies on immigrants at the border. It's almost as if this group believes they can gerrymander our districts and our demographics, so they not only have political power, but racial power as well. And no matter how you square it, this is some white supremacist Nazi shit. Where do people think terrible history comes from? It comes from humans who made poor choices and the fallouts from those choices. And people will either look back on this time in history with horror or admiration. And we need to make sure we do everything to make sure it's not horror. We can no longer ignore that there is a group of powerful people looking for a new type of feudal system in America, a system where a certain privileged group rules over the rest of us, It's why they don't want us properly educated in public schools, but rather in religious and charter schools they can control. It's why they don't want us unionizing or using collective bargaining against our corporate leaders. It's why they're against health care and a living wage and affordable housing. It's why their new plan is to sunset Social Security and Medicare. Better to weed out the weak and force people into service or prisons when they have nothing to fall back on. Republicans are now passing laws that make it a felony to camp on the streets. So a felony, with the loss of voting rights, by the way, to be homeless. It's about disenfranchisement and demonization of the poor. If you can't pay back your fines, you can work them off. So free labor for the state for the crime of having nowhere to live. That, by the way, is slavery. It's Ebenezer Scrooge type stuff. Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? I don't want to have to see the result of the policies that have benefited me. Get these people out of my line of sight. We need to hear no more from them. The Great Replacement feeds into the white supremacist, capitalistic dream the far-right has had for this country since the Gilded Age and probably before. And just like the border wall, immigration, CRT, stop the steal, this kind of conspiratorial thinking works to bring voters over to their side so they feel like a team, us against them, fighting the good fights, patriots of the nation. We need to stop pretending all the red strings don't align. As Greenblatt said, we can no longer afford to look away. Multiracial democracy is worth fighting for. Politicians and media figures who are doubling down on our nation's history of white supremacist patriarchy have to be confronted and defeated. There is no other way to achieve real and lasting justice. To paraphrase a recent mailing from Public Citizen, radicalized violence and mass shootings can't be fixed with executive orders or simple legislative acts, although we need many of those. It's going to take the majority of the population vocally rejecting this hateful discourse and showing our commitment to equality and decency and solidarity. As Sleeping Giants, the media watchdog company asks, at what point do cable companies and advertisers have enough of this? Five mass shootings? Ten? Fifteen? How many will it take before people step in and put a stop to this? The same goes for donors and anyone who believes in equality and fairness and a country without violence. As Barack Obama said after the shooting in Buffalo, this is a tragic reminder of the price we pay for refusing to curb easy access to guns. It should also serve as a wake-up call for all Americans of goodwill, regardless of party. He goes on to say, We need to repudiate in the strongest terms possible the politicians and media figures who, whether for political gain or to boost ratings, have used their platforms to promote and normalize replacement theory and other starkly racist, anti-Semitic, nativist conspiracy theories. As Amy Spitalnik, Executive Director of Integrity First for America, the group that won a lawsuit against the organizers of the Charlottesville rally, argues, it is this increased promotion of replacement theory that is normalizing hate and emboldening violence in America. She says mass shootings are the inevitable result of the mainstreaming of white supremacist replacement theory in all of its forms. Tucker Carlson may lead the charge, but he is backed by Republican elected officials and other leaders eager to amplify this deadly conspiracy for profit and power. After two years of research, Alice Morwick points out, that the lack of direct engagement with this cesspool of distorted facts might actually be furthering the conspiracy theory's cause. She suggests that rather than ignoring this concept of race realism or biological determinism or replacement theory, teachers and parents and journalists could start taking the evidence head on, debunking these theories and developing an effective counter message. She says many of these members of these hateful communities justify their beliefs using what they believe are facts and science. So we should use the same tools to advocate for the values of multicultural societies, for the benefits of diversity and the benefits of equality, because when we don't, we leave a void that is quickly filled with hateful rhetoric. And I understand that this is hard to do, especially with all these new anti-CRT bills that make it impossible to talk about race in school, with the don't say gay bills and the othering of immigrants and people who are different. But this is by design. The constant repetition of the far-right ideas by conservative media and traditional politicians only exacerbates the online radicalization. Sadly, we also can't guarantee that spreading real facts and science will convince people who don't want to be convinced. Look at the information around COVID-19. That was truth and facts. And yet conspiracies about vaccines and microchips and mask effectiveness, they spread like wildfire. Marwick reminds us that conspiratorial thinking breeds distrust in institutions themselves. We see that every day. Information that comes from a scientist or from the government or from mainstream media is now automatically considered suspect. The stories told on extreme social media and any other particular rhetoric that reinforces people's already held identities or their sense of belonging in the world, that spreads faster and is believed more readily than truth reported by previously trusted institutions. Marwick points out that there is a delicate balance between contributing to the amplification of racist disinformation in order to face it head on and understanding the emotional pull of hateful propaganda that ends up justifying these horrible actions. Marwick is left with the depressing reality that we face a true uphill battle to counter far-right extremism, but she's insistent that the first step is to get away from these simple models of radicalization, the ones that claim these innocent white men are just pawns who simply fell into extremist spaces and were red-pilled into a new reality. She suggests that this process takes far more time and effort than that that these people get absorbed into these ecosystems that speak to their emotions and use pseudoscience and watered-down versions of hateful rhetoric until they, like the Buffalo shooter, are given enough space to disassociate from the people they end up harming. She says we need to close that space. We need to fill that void with something other than hate and misinformation. Personally, I'm tired of pointing out all the horrible things Republicans and the far right do to win power and gain influence, to trick people into using fear and lies to continue to allow them to control the system. I am tired of the hateful things they say and do and preach. The Great Replacement is just another thing to add to that list. But it doesn't matter if I'm tired. It's violent, and it's wrong, and it's dangerous, and we have a responsibility to humanity, to the country, and to the world to push back on it until it is eradicated. We have to stop supporting the people who support these lies and that make us hate one another. We have to stop our family and friends from falling down that rabbit hole. To hear Tucker Carlson and these Republican leaders say these horrible things so bluntly should feel shocking. Now, I don't watch Fox, but millions of people do. Millions of people have lost loved ones to their lies, so it's helpful to know what we're up against, to know what people are hearing and seeing and learning, to know so we're ready to speak out against it and shut it down if we can. Replacement theory is a false, ignorant, race-baited conspiracy used by right-wing bigots and white supremacists to inflame viewers and voters for profit and power. Its rhetoric is ripping our country apart. But as Stacey Plaskett, Democratic congresswoman from the U.S. Virgin Islands points out, it's the silence of good Americans, especially Republicans, as their own members spew this garbage that really adds fuel to the fire and numbers to the body count. We dare to call ourselves the land of the free and the home of the brave while we allow this to happen? I don't think so. We have to do far better than this. So that's it. We can no longer function in what Mehdi Hasan calls the mythical moral high ground. It's not working. We can't shame the Republicans into doing the right thing. We have to force them to do the right thing. And that kind of force can only happen in great numbers. Individually, the situation might feel hopeless, but as a collective, we have the power to force real change. We simply have to care more and be louder than the loudest of the hateful bigots. And I believe we can do that. Now go out and make the world a better place. Thank you for caring enough about democracy to be here. Until next week, PG out. The Politics Girl podcast is written and performed by me, Lee McGowan, in partnership with the Midas Media Network and produced and edited by Happy Warrior Entertainment. All rights reserved.